0: Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Now, unfortunately, uh, we live in a world where you have to have money in order to survive. Unless you're one of those crazy forest people who lives off the land, which sounds fun. But I don't know if anybody's ever seen the series Alone. Anybody ever watch Alone? I don't know what channel it's on. We got, we've got seen it on Hulu. But uh, our family's kind of gotten into this. It's all these these, I don't know, there's... Ten contestants or something like that who go live. They get dropped off in this unlived land. Uh, the latest one was in Canada. and No, it was actually in, where was it? The Arctic. There was one in the Arctic. I mean, who wants to go live in the Arctic? It's crazy. But these people did. They set up their own traps. Uh, the only interaction they had was with the camera. So they had their own camera. Not a cameraman. They filmed themselves. And so they did this. I think the longest somebody has lived alone is like 90, almost 90 days. Uh, but there it's crazy it's crazy but so most of us though we have to have a job in order to survive or somebody in the household has to work. In fact, we read even in the Garden of Eden in, in Genesis that work the, the pain and toil of work increased because of sin. the work is hard, is it not? And sometimes it's just the nature of of the job, for those who are working in the medical field. I think we all have compassion for the craziness that this last year has been for those who are dealing with COVID patients and and, and watching people just die with just nothing that can be done, and dying often alone. Uh, Sometimes it's just the physical, demanding jobs that we work that makes it hard, and your body reminds you every morning when you wake up that, oh, work is hard. Others of you struggle because of the people that you work for. They take advantage of you. You're overworked and you're underpaid. And for many of you, your job is a struggle because of the the people, your fellow employees that just make it so challenging. And they can bring so much drama or the customers that you work for are extremely demanding and never satisfied. Maybe your job just has a Revolving door of people in your company just can't get enough people to stick, which means it's more work for you. And it leaves us to a place where we have to ask, like, what does God's word have to say about the workplace? And so in Colossians 3 this morning, what we're going to see is a call to give our best effort to whatever job that may be for us. Now, maybe some of you are like, oh, I don't have a job. Well, if you are a stay-at-home mom, then everybody understands that you have the hardest job. Amen? Regardless, all of us should be concerned. And I really think these principles that we'll see here, this call, deals with all of life. And so let's look at Colossians 3 starting in verse 22. Bond servants. Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the reminders that you are exalted over all things. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy to have all of us. And Father, I thank you for your word that when it comes to our jobs, you give us direction. You have a heavy call on our life and how we go about doing what you've called us to do in order to earn an income to survive. It's part of life and thank you that you have not left us alone here. God, I pray that you would move in our hearts for those who are struggling this morning, who come and they're already thinking about tomorrow and dreading going back to work. Would you bring encouragement through your word this morning? Would you give us all encouragement, whether we work a job that pays us or whether we are uh, living with somebody who's working for stay-at-home moms who have the hardest job, Lord, would you Open our eyes and our hearts to see what we need to see. Convict us how we need to be convicted. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Lord, thank you that you have not left us alone. May you speak to us now through your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we jump into this, we have to address kind of the elephant in the room as as we read through this. And we see bond servants. Or you might have a version that says slaves. And so we need to address what's going on here. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Paul is not saying that owning slaves and treating them poorly is okay. Like we have to understand that that this is not an idea where it's okay to have slaves. Uh, in fact, uh, later in the scriptures in 1 Timothy 1.10, uh, Paul condemns enslavers, those who would enslave. But we we also must understand this is a very touchy situation. Uh, this is not slavery, how you may have read about in other places, although certainly in this time it could be treated that way. Uh, We see in other parts of the Bible that they could actually earn their way. So it wasn't that they were not working for any pay. They could work for pay and actually pay themselves for freedom. So Paul's not condoning slavery here. Uh, Rather, he understands that slavery was a part of what was going on and people were saved in the midst of slavery. And just to set your slaves free could actually be quite harmful to some people. They have no place to go. And so, very touchy situation. We're not going to deal with slavery here this morning. I just want to acknowledge the fact that Paul's not condoning it. Uh, and In fact, he he speaks later, as I said, that it's wrong to enslave people. Uh, And I think as we look at these scriptures, there are very clear principles for us when it comes to how we do life in the workplace. Whether you're a boss, an employee, or whether you care for those who work. God's word has something for us in light of exalting Christ in the workplace. So if you're a titled person, uh, I've entitled this message, Exalting Christ in the Workplace. How do we do that? Well, first and foremost, I think the most important thing that we understand is that we are called to work for our true master. Work for your true master. Master, this is the foundation of this whole message that we understand who our true master is. I mean, look at verse twenty-two. It mentions that we should fear the Lord. In verse twenty-three, we work as we're work as if we were working for the Lord. Verse twenty-four says, "You are serving the Lord Christ." In verse one of chapter four, we are called. To know that masters, or those who are owners, those who are bosses, they have a master in heaven. So it's very clear. The very first thing we need to understand is that we need to make sure and remind ourselves of who our true master is. We are called to work for our true master. Now, now everybody wants to have a good boss, right? Nobody in their right mind says, Lord, I would love to work somebody who's just a pain in my side. Lord, that they would overwork me and underpay. God, I long for this. <laughs> like, nobody prays that way. Nobody asks for that. Everyone wants to work for a boss that won't take advantage of them. One who will, will pay you for what your good works are worth. But on the flip side, we also want to make sure that they're not letting slackers get away, right? Like, we want, we want it to be a fair process, Ultimately, we know that our true master is like that, right? Amen, that we serve a Savior who is gracious and merciful and really gives us, he's a far greater master than we deserve. Every single person fails. No one gets it right, which is ultimately why we need to remember who our true master is. Because oftentimes our temptation could be is to approach our jobs and I'm going to give you as much as you give back to me. Like, if you make this easy for me, I'm going to make it easy for you. And Paul is saying, that's not the way it works at all. Like, ultimately, you are working for the Lord. He is your true master. Do you approach your life with this mindset? Let me just remind you what we already talked about in a previous sermon. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do. In word or deed, do everything, including the job that you may hate, do that in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so Paul is taking away any excuse that we would have to say, I'm not going to give my best effort. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get by, then I'm out. Clocking in, I'm clocking out, I'm going home. I don't have to like it. And Paul's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Got a different message for you. But my boss is so mean. Well, remember who your true boss is. But I hate my job. Well, remember who you are working for. Think about this. Have you ever worked for someone you really respect? And when you know that you're being well cared for, properly paid for, Does it not motivate you to work to your full potential? This is why it is so important to realize and remember who our true master is. No matter how your boss treats you, no matter how your work treats you, ultimately, you're working for the Lord. He is your master. And he, as we've just experienced this morning and heard from his word, his care for us. He's a high priest that has been tempted in every way, yet is without sin. Therefore, we can approach his throne with confidence and find help and mercy in our time of need. When we have the right perspective understanding who our true master is, it transforms the way we work our jobs. So work for your true master. And doesn't that... This, this really sets up the rest of the message. So everything needs to be looked at in light of who our true master is. But here's the second calling that we have. <laughs> Do your job. <laughs> Look at what it says there in verse 22. Bondservants, servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. So first of all, we, there's a there's got to be an understanding that if you're Work is asking you to do something that is immoral. Something that goes against scripture, it is assumed that you would not take part in that. So he's not saying that, okay, well, I'm, you know, the boss wants to have an inappropriate relationship with me, so I have to do it because the script, no, that's going way overboard. If it's immoral, if they're, they're calling you to do something that goes clearly against scripture, you are not to participate in that. But you are getting paid or you are called to work a job and do what you're supposed to do. And so as believers in Christ, we must understand that we have a job to do. This, it seems simple enough, right? But we can find ourselves struggling in many ways. Like for, for those who hate their jobs and work for mean bosses, you can find yourself kind of slacking off because you don't want to earn money for him. Like, why would I want him to benefit from my hard work? Like, if he's just going to take advantage of me, then fine. I'm going to screw him on the backside. I'm going to mess him over by not doing the job that I've called him to do. And Paul's saying, do your job. Like, you are, remember, who your true master is. Your your true master is not your boss. It's not the one who signs your checks. It's your Savior. It's the one who paid the ultimate price for you so that you would be made right with him. I used to work for UPS, which at least at that time I don't know much about UPS anymore, like as a union. And I wasn't part of the union because I only worked temporary through like the Christmas season. But, But I would just hear a lot of times guys just and watch and observe Guys slack off, not do their jobs because, well, the union's going to take care of me. And, and we, can, we can find all these loopholes and, and, and realize, well, I'm protected here, so I'm just going to take it easy. Well, as believers in Christ, there's no room for us. In fact, as I understand, when we understand what Christ has done for us by paying the price on the cross for our sin, by being forgiven of so much more than any sins that have been committed against us, than any call for us to forgive anybody else, We've been forgiven of far more. If we understand that, then Christians should be the best workers in the workforce. We should be profiting our companies to the best of our ability. Not because we are working for our bosses and we're working for the Lord and we want to make much of him by the way we work. Ultimately, it's not the company that we are working for, that is our master. We work for Christ. And we long for him to be exalted over all things. Keep your eyes on him. He is in control. He knows your situation. He is not flippant about what's going on in your life. As, as I've already read in Hebrews, he sympathizes with us in our weakness. He understands what you're going through. Leave everything else over to him, but remember your true master and do your job. So we can say, I would say at this point, everybody agrees with that, right? Everybody kind of understands we get paid to do a job. Of course I'm going to do what I'm called to do, but I don't have to like it. I don't have to be joyful about it. I can pout about it. As long as I get my work done, then I can say whatever I want to. Because, hey, at least I'm getting my work done. And Paul's like, no, no, no. <laughs> your attitude and how you do your job matters as well. So here's point number three. Here's our call number three. Do your job sincerely and joyfully. Now we've crossed the line, haven't we? What? Isn't it enough for me just to do what I'm supposed to do? Now I'm supposed to do it sincerely and joyfully? Well, look at what verse 22 says again. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, As for the Lord and not for men. You see, it's not just good enough to do our job well. Our attitude and how we do it matters. It matters how we take place in doing our work. Don't just act like you're working. Genuinely work hard. Don't only work while people are looking. Have you noticed people who, like, will bad talk the the boss, and then when the boss is there in front, they're, like, sweet talking them, and you're like, who is this person? It's two different people. Be who you are, even if your boss is right in front of you staring at you. Be that way when he is out of town and there's no way he's going to even know what you're doing. Do it sincerely not to please people, not to get people off your back. I just want to get my boss off my back. That's not what Paul is saying here. Work. Work hard as for the Lord because you are working for the Lord. Be a person of integrity, right? That What I just said, integrity means you're the same person in front of everybody as you are when you're alone. You're the same worker when your boss is there staring at you as you are if you were working alone and nobody else could see you. I remember I used to work for a packaging company in Buchanan, and uh, th- so the way they would figure out how how like how like to get paid, uh, it was a packaging company and they packaged a lot of car parts. And so they would, somebody would scope out and figure out what kind of cardboard boxes needed, what label needs to be printed, is there a bag that has to go with this part, are there foam blocks that help keep the part in place. And so they would come up with a rate, like per hour, how many you should do. Like if we get this many per hour, then the company will make money. And so... I looked at it as a challenge. I don't know about you. I love that stuff. Because I'm not looking to like, okay, I need 22 an hour. I'm going to do 22 an hour. I'm thinking, how many can I get? Can I get 30? Can I get 35? Like, it's a challenge to me. And so I would bust right through these. and, And I would break the rates. I would go far and beyond what I could do. And I met some opposition from fellow coworkers. Because they would look at me and they would be like, man, what are you doing? You're making us look bad come on, what what is this all about of you making us look bad by doing it quicker than we can? I'm like, you can do it just as fast as I can, I know. Like, why, why would you just do enough to get by? Well, he, here's what can happen. Here's what can happen with integrity. Like, it, it was true that if we ran out of work, then we were no longer getting paid. But th- that's not up to us to decide. God doesn't look at us and, th- and think, how do we handle to make sure we can get more money out of the company by just... Doing things, just doing what we're expected to do. Well, I can trust God enough to know that if I work myself out of a job because I'm working hard, God's going to provide in that way. That's the different thing about Christians. We're not looking to hoard work and do just enough to get by to make the people, surely if I, as long as I made rates, my boss would have been pleased with me. I'm not worried about what, that, what he thinks. I'm worried about what the Lord sees. The Lord is always watching us, right? Like, we, we can't get away from our true boss being able to know how we're doing and what we're doing. And if you're worried about having enough money and so you're going to slow your pace down because you want to make sure that you make enough money, then I would just question, are you really trusting the Lord? Like, you can trust the Lord. He takes care of the righteous. He never leaves the righteous begging for bread. Do your job sincerely. Whatever you do, work heartily. So not only sincerely, but joyfully. So again, I think we're okay with do our job. I think most people would say, do your job sincerely. But but Paul's like, more. Do it joyfully. Do it heartily. Why? Because you're not working for man. You're working for the Lord. Put great effort into what you're doing and do it with a great attitude. Here's why. Does that happen in the world naturally? From those who are unbelievers, generally speaking, and even for Christians, for that matter, is our natural tendency, I'm going to do my job for joy, with joy, no matter what happens. That is such a foreign concept to this world. Like people do their jobs all the time and do it well. But that joyful part is what separates, oftentimes, believers from unbelievers. When you do your job, are you doing it joyfully? Because you know that your hard work will be seen by those around you and it brings glory to the Father. Again, it's not about the profit of your job. If all you're working for is a paycheck, then you're missing what Paul is saying here. Go above and beyond. And do it with joy because the world will look in curiosity and wonder what is wrong with that person. This job is the worst job in the world. And yet there's this joy and this passion about them that doesn't make sense. And you know what that does? It opens up a door for you to be able to share the gospel with them. Because you can let, look, I know it's hard working here. But I just realized that my true boss is in heaven. And he's always watching over me. And I want to please him because he has done so much for me. Right? We don't do joyfully in order to earn favor with God. That's already been earned on the cross. It's not about earning favor. It's not about doing something so that we can go back to God and say, look what I've done. You better bless me. Rather, it's look what you've done for me. I want to bless you. Work your job. Do your job sincerely and joyfully. Here's the fourth column. Do your job with eternity in mind. Do your job with eternity in mind. Look at verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Do your job with eternity in mind. You see, far too often we are so short-sighted, right? We're just looking at how this is going to impact me now. How am I going to be blessed today? How is this going to provide today? Rather than realizing my hard work for the Lord is honoring to him, people might see it, people might come to the Lord because of how hard I work and how joyful I am and how sincere I am, that it may affect their eternity. And regardless, if I get spit on, if I get ridiculed for working too hard, <laughs> I guess that's a thing, for making rape going quicker than what other people want to go and making them look bad and being scolded, I'm not living for man's praise on this world. I'm not even looking for God to bless me material or material here. I am looking to store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy. Do you realize all the money that you are making, all the things that you are collecting here, the houses that you're building, the cars that you're driving, do you realize that's all going to turn to rust? Are, is anybody here 100 years from now going to care about the stuff that we have here on this earth? No. Keep eternity In mind, when we understand that we're storing up treasures in heaven, then we can endure whatever we endure because we realize we're just passing through. Jesus already promised that troubles would come. In this world, you will have sorrow. It's going to be hard. Paul said this in light of the struggling that he faced. Therefore, we do not give up. This is from the CSB, by the way. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. Sorry, we don't have a slide for this. But uh, it says this, Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed. Anybody feeling that this morning? (laughs) Our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Let me read that again. Our momentary, this is Paul, who was brutally beat while he lived. Received 39 lashes twice, was shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, running for his life. He called his, anybody, anybody have that kind of a week? Anybody received the 39 lashes this week? Anybody shipwrecked and bitten by a snake this week? Yet Paul calls it momentary light affliction. I don't know about you. I look at that. I think, man, I am such a wimp. <laughs> you ever th- read that? And you're just like, man, I, I like to complain a lot. And Paul is calling his sh- trials as light, momentary affliction. Why? Because it's, it's what he, was producing for him that he was able to see, and absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory so we do not focus on what is seen but on what is unseen for what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal your job is temporary the stuff that we can collect here on this earth is temporary don't live for those things because they'll sidetrack you because then you start looking at them as huge forever afflictions right like these afflictions are never going to end. And Paul's saying, oh, these light momentary because my eyes are on the prize of what's coming. Heaven is coming where he's going to wipe away every year. Right? He, now, that does, he's not like, this is not Jesus' tone. Get over it. Come on, what's wrong with you? That's not Jesus' tone with us. And so if you find yourself struggling, I just, wanna, I just want, I want you to understand that Jesus has compassion for you. He understands the trial. He understands how hard it is for you But focusing on eternal eternity matters. Your response and what happens to your life can make a difference. Even in men's group this week, uh, a guy was discussing just how he you know he's doing his job, working hard, and for whatever reason, his boss just kind of has it against him, and he can't win for lo- he can't win for working hard. And so he just asks us to pray, but like he shared, you know, one of the things Mark does, Mark Jones does leading that group is just ask, what are some God sightings? And so this guy's just sharing about the situation, but there's another guy in his job who's not a believer who is experiencing the same things. And he's been able to notice that the same thing is happening to this man in our group who is sharing. And so he reached out to this guy. They had a relationship, and by God's grace, because he had an eternal perspective and understand that my, my boss is not my ultimate master, it's Jesus. This person was able to look at him and come to him, and he was able to share the gospel. That doesn't happen if you are like everybody else complaining about how miserable your job is. Because how can you correlate God's grace and then show no grace at all to your boss? Do your job with eternity in mind, knowing who your true master is. Doesn't that make all the difference? We're living for the kingdom to come. It not only has an impact on your future, but it might have an impact on the eternity of somebody else who's observing you enduring with joy. Here's the last thing. Do your job humbly. Do your job humbly. Remember your true master. Do what you're supposed to do. Do it not to please man, but sincerely do it with joy Do your job with eternity in mind. And ultimately, this all leads us to a place where we're just going to do our job humbly. Look at verse 25. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. and There is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So let's talk about verse 25 there for a minute the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There's no partiality. So we don't have any excuses for doing our jobs poorly or for having a bad attitude. We're not going to get a get out of jail free card because maybe our boss is our dad and we don't like. And it's a bit of struggle. Or we can get away because dad's the boss, he ain't going to fire me. We're not going to get out of jail free because, well, God forgives me anyway, so I can have a bad attitude because there's grace. With God, there is no favoritism. For those who are wealthy and making a lot of money running a business, if you look at your employees flippantly, well, I can do without him. The wrongdoer will be paid back. So we should do our job humbly. Again, not looking for handouts. Not doing our job well so that we get a promotion. But then when the promotion over, uh, like they oversee us for a promotion, we don't flip, flip, throw our hands up in the air. What is wrong with you? That's it. I'm done. I'm going to do as much as I need to do. And that's it. Paul leaves no room for that. Paul would say, even if you don't get acknowledged for any of your hard work at your job, still do it faithfully. Because you're not working for them, you're working for the Lord. So be humble. Don't work in such a way where you are trying to get something back. That's called legalism. That's what the Pharisees did. Look at my good behavior. Look what I did. Now you owe me. That's what that is. You're not going to, you're not working, if you're working in order to be noticed by your employer, well, you're, you're no greater than a Pharisee. It's, it's okay to desire to be promoted. It's okay. And, and, I, and I hold this point when it comes to making money. If you can make more money without, like, substituting your commitment to the Lord, then make more money. There are people who need it. There are churches around the world who could use more missionaries. My wife was just sharing about this organization that is looking to uh, translate the Bible. And they believe that w- within 13 years, this is staggering. Every language could have this completed scriptures. It's not free. But work humbly. Even if nobody else sees you, the Lord sees you. Romans 12, 17 through 19 says this Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. Again, that's Romans twelve seventeen through 19. All sin will be punished. You realize that? No sin will go unpunished. Either it will be covered by the blood of Jesus, or you will pay with your life and spend eternity in hell. I don't know where you stand today. Have you humbled yourself before the almighty hand of God who paid the ultimate price so that we would be made right with you? When we have this perspective and understanding of what Christ has done for us, it transforms us. This is radical, is it not? This is radical. The world doesn't understand working joyfully, sincerely. Even if you're mistreated, it's foreign. But when you work that way, it opens the door for people to see you and acknowledge Christ in your life. Let me make this clear. It may come to the point where you need to quit your job. You may need to find a new job. This is not saying, like, you just have to stay underneath it. But as long as you are where you're at, you have no excuse for negativity, for beating down your boss, even if everybody else is. There's not a free pass because you're a Christian and so I'm just I'm, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. Oh, what does that mean? Like you store up treasures in heaven by serving the Lord here. Doing it wholeheartedly. And ultimately when we... Remember the cross. When we're suffering unjustly, we can rejoice because we're suffering as our Savior did. But here's the thing, our Savior was the only one who was truly perfect. He was the only one who never did a single wrong thing. And yet we read in, in the scriptures that he, when all the accusations were coming his way, he opened not his mouth. He was declared guilty for your sin. So if you are suffering, know this, our heart is for you. Jesus is with you. And you can rejoice knowing that you understand a little bit of what Jesus suffered on your behalf. And he's already taken care of your greatest problem. Run to him this morning. prayer for us as a church is that we would make a difference in our workplaces because we understand who our true master is. Because we're doing the work that we're called to do. We're doing it sincerely whether somebody's watching or not. We're doing it with a joyful attitude because we know that it's eternity that I have in mind. I'm working, doing my job with the understanding that all this mess is going to be done away with. And so ultimately, because I understand what Jesus has done for me, I'm going to work my job humbly and know that he sees me even if nobody else ever notices. Let's be a people who exalts Christ in the workplace, in our homes, wherever, the, where, anywhere where the Lord may have us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for... The gospel, the good news of Jesus, that when while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were unworthy to have your attention. Just like many of us may feel like their jobs are unworthy to have their work, but Lord, would you remind us of our Heavenly Master, keep us focused on the life that is to come. Realizing that these momentary light afflictions aren't worth comparing. They're incomparable to the eternal weight of glory that awaits us. God, keep us heavenly focused. You are our life, Lord. Let us be followers of Jesus that work our best because we want you to be glorified. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Why don't you stand and let's sing this song in response? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.